Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. Fortune 500 companies, they don't really know what to look for. They don't know if they're getting good consulting or not. This is the same problem that your startup founders have with their code people, why they wish they knew how to code, because they don't really know if they're getting good code or not. They don't know if these people are being efficient or not. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast here in Santa Monica by the beach. It is such an incredible day and we are celebrating another LA Tech company. Hello, Jeremy. Hi. So, Jeremy, tell us, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your company. Uh, My name is Jeremy and uh, we do consulting for startups in the LA area, Uh, technology and product design and all the things that go with starting a company that's based on the internet. And when did you first become passionate about technology? Well, technology came second, really. I was originally passionate about product, about solving problems for people, seeing that people were wasting their time doing repetitive chores, that there should be a way to automate that. And um, once you figure out that, then you think, all right, well, how do I build it? And then that's where technology comes in. And what has your trajectory been on your career? Like, when did you start in the tech space and how did you end up where you are today? Well, I suppose you could say I started like when I was three, where uh, that counts. I, uh, um, I've always been both interested in what you'd call left brain and right brain stuff. So when I was three, I was putting on plays in my parents' living room. Uh, and when people gave me toys, my favorite way of playing with them was taking them apart and figuring out how they worked. Um, and both those themes have progressed throughout my life. You know, I have a bachelor of science in electrical engineering with a minor in theater and a master of fine arts in film directing. And, um, so I'm always around people who, well, not always, but sometimes around people who like technology and sometimes around people who can't stand it. Right. And I want everybody to be enabled to pursue whatever they want to do. And then when I think about products, I think about, you know, I need to make them so that everybody's happy. And who do you serve? Who are your who are your clients and your customers? My clients are companies building products um, that are based on the internet, uh, one way or another. Preferably for individual consumers, but sometimes I work for companies that are targeting other companies with enterprise stuff. But, um, you know, I started out at Wells Fargo creating online banking. Um, we worked at a company that was founded called Modern Feed um, and um, went through a few evolutions. It is now TV.com. It's part of it's. We sold it to CBS. It's CBS Interactive now. So those are the kind of companies at the big scale, right? The Modern Feed was founded to help people find free videos online, not like YouTube videos, but the primetime lineups of all the major networks when we started, they were online for free and you couldn't find them. You couldn't find them on a Google search. If you went to CBS, you couldn't even find them on a site search. So even if you knew, which most people didn't at that time, even if you knew that the, this video was available for free, right? you missed your favorite show last night, you want to watch it online, you couldn't find it. So we built 
a system, you know, a search engine to let you find that stuff. And it's still helpful now. Like if you want to see a movie and you want to know, is it on Hulu or Vudu or iTunes or Netflix uh, or Amazon, then it'll tell you. And, you know, that's the kind of thing. That, so the company that's making a product that ordinary people want to use that has, uh, that's delivered over the internet uh, or has a, or maybe it's an e-commerce thing. Maybe it's delivered. It's a physical thing that's delivered, but the, the store and the sales and the ex- part of the experience is online. And where do you excel beyond your competitors? What is your core competency that somebody would want to work with you versus uh, the other resources that exist out there? Well, it's being able to handle both the tech side and the product side. That um, I am an introvert. I don't really like talking to people, but I am good at it when I need to be. And I understand because I spent so much time around people in the arts who, yeah. who don't think about like engineers and all this time with engineers who, of course, do think like engineers. <laughs> I'm also... Uh, I don't know, modest way to say this, you know, gifted. I'm really smart. I'm in the top 1%. And it's always been a challenge for me um, growing up anyway. It was a challenge because I don't think like the people around me and they don't think like I do. And so I've had to develop from an early age ways to uh, understand people who aren't like me, even if they're like me socioeconomically or whatever, but have to, you know, figure out ways to understand the way other people think and behave and the way they view the world. And, um, so when it comes to the early stages of product development, that's really helpful and also helps me in terms of understanding what's important in the success or failure of a startup as it relates to the founders. Yeah. I, I I think about that often when, um, a lot of non-technical co-founders will say, I wish I knew how to code, but I, I know about the world of code. I've, all my co-founders have been CTOs and and I've even taken coding classes and I know that I don't want to be a developer. And um, just like with medicine or any other industry like that, things are constantly evolving and changing. And unless you stay on top of it, you could learn it uh, in January and by December be outdated. And so unless that's where you want to master, it isn't where we should spend the majority of our time or even a good portion of our time. We should know enough to be able to know what's going on. But... Uh, let the people who excel at it do their job and know what you're best at as, as at least as a founder is my take. Um, so what, what has your education been or what has your experience been to lead you to where you are today? And, and how long has your consultancy existed? Well, I started consulting just a couple of years out of college. It turned out that uh, the life cycle of a developer is typically that you only work for a company for a year or two before they either go broke, go out of business, you know, change owners, uh, or, you know, change size so drastically that you don't want to be there anymore. So I was working and finding that I ended up one way or another changing jobs every year anyway. And I was like, well, why am I pretending to be a permanent employee if I'm going to change jobs every year? So I got in, I was fortunate to get a, a stellar consulting contract early in my career, which was a project where I got to meet and work with 20 other contractors, consultants in the San Francisco area. And after that job, that was my, my pipeline for clients. And they just kept feeding me more and more people. So that was great. At some point I realized with some of my colleagues that companies, this was before the internet boom, it was actually during the internet boom, but still the companies, Fortune 500 companies, when they're hiring consultants, this is still true with the big, whatever, big five, big four, however many left, Mm -hmm. they don't know 
that's why they're hiring consultants. They don't really know what to look for. They right. don't know if they're getting good consulting or not. This is the same problem that your startup founders have with their code people, why they right. wish they knew how to code, because they don't really know if they're getting good code or not. They don't know if these people are being 100%. efficient or not, right? And so the idea of finding Nuru was uh, to help consult, actually for those companies, to help them buy consulting services, to help them inform them so they buy consulting services that were, uh, and manage their consulting services so they would know what they were doing. Um, but I suck at sales. <laughs> and that's uh, sales into enterprises. That's a long sales cycle and you have to be really good at it and very persistent and plan years ahead. And none of that worked out. So pretty much you're like someone's best friend to have an intelligent, trustworthy viewpoint on hiring someone else to code and to build product. Uh, Well, that was what I was thinking I was going to get into a long time ago, back when IBM was a monopoly. Right. (laughs) Before Microsoft. They had a policy of not really interviewing engineers. Right. They did a back, they looked at your resume, did a background check. If you passed, they just hired you for 90 days. And at the end of 90 days, they evaluated your work product and decided if they wanted to keep you or not. And you decide if you wanted to keep working there. I'm really a big fan of that model still now after trying a lot of other ones. Yeah. Um, you have to have the money and the resources to be able to afford a 90-day failure, um, which early-stage startups don't have. But I think hiring talent is just very, very difficult. And just like anything else in a startup, the people that you work with, whether or not you get along with them, how you get along with them, mm-hmm. whether or not they share your vision, you know, what their work ethic is like, if they're ethical and trustworthy, those things matter so much more than whether they're the best or second best or 10th best coder in the room. So I, I kind of, I, now I just come in and I help uh, people with the managing the process more and finding where their blind spots are and kind of filling in the gaps in the team. What do you enjoy most about what you do? Really most enjoy solving problems for people that are bothering them and giving them the freedom to pursue more of their joy. I love that. You could solve all my problems any day. (laughs) Happy to try. (laughs) And where can people connect with you to find out more? The website is kind of embarrassing. Um, (laughs) The cobbler's children has no shoes. I've heard that expression. Uh, I've been very reluctant to spend any time or money on it. So, although you can find us there. Um, Can you you spell it out for everybody? N-U-R-U. You can... um, just Google my name. My LinkedIn will come up. I'm the only Jeremy Grodberg in the country. Can you spell it for us? G-R-O-D-B-E-R-G. And your first name? Too. Jeremy. J-E-R-E-M-Y. Perfect. You never know because people spell their names all funky they ways. They do. And Jeremy, what are some of the products that you've built that you're you're just really proud of that you've worked on? Well, interestingly enough, the first thing I ever built was PhoneSpell. I built it because... Uh, I mentioned Wells Fargo online banking before that interview to work for Wells Fargo. I had never built anything on the web. So to prepare for the interview, I needed to build a website. So I built this website. You type in your phone number and it uses the letters on your keypad to come up with a mnemonic for it. Nice. um, Nice. Yes. During the dot-com boom, it was one of the top 3,000 websites in the world. Uh, Crazy. You guys should see my face. I was on, I was in Newsweek which was a magazine that yeah. was very popular at the time. <laughs> uh, NPR, I was a, it was a Netscape site of the month back when Netscape was doing that sort of thing. And um, 
that I like to think I gave Google the idea for the Omnibox because we used, I, I wrote, built an Omnibox onto that site before Google built their site. So that's an example of just a really simple, easy to use thing. Anybody can use it. Super easy to use, easy to understand. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of features. It's not all that useful anymore, especially now. Nobody even remembers their own phone number. <laughs> but um, that is both useful and joyful to use. And that's what I really like. And has there been an LA tech company or talent you've come across lately who has really impressed you? Different people impressed me in different ways. I think the FlexFits team really impressed me in that they're, you know, they're bringing a consumer product, physical consumer product to market, working super hard, but have created an amazing product under difficult circumstances and they, they're still going strong. Can you tell us more about them and what they do? Uh, FlexFits is a, uh, I'm not the most qualified yeah. to talk about it, but I see it as an evolution of the menstrual cup. It is a tampon alternative mm-hmm. that. Um, oh, Flex. Yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm a customer. Yeah. So yeah. you know more than I do. No, but I, did, I don't know everything that you just said. Go ahead. Well, so that's it. So, you know, women who try it, they love it like in ridiculously high numbers and they didn't just come up with this idea and it magically happened out of digital space. They had to do you know, real research and development and manufacturing and, and uh, you know, marketing and they're selling this around the world and they have to deal with all of that. And, and uh, they're, you know, navigating very, very difficult waters successfully. And that's, that's really impressive. And Carl, our teammate will include it in the show notes. Um, yeah. I love my, my flex it's kind of like i can't really talk about it much because it's kind of like embarrassing it's for yeah. your time of month it's but... embarrassing for me you know <laughs> just to be like please i want to be your cto <laughs> you, you guys because there it's exactly the kind of product you know it meets the definition of the product that i want to work on although it doesn't it never it, i never would have thought of it you yeah know, working on something like that but it's a something that makes people's lives better they use it all the time the people who use it love it they think it's a big improvement in their life. Yeah. And um, in, you know, in important ways. And, you know, it's simple. And these, the people who are doing it are ethical and smart and hardworking and, and great. And I consulted with them about bringing on a CTO. And I want to yeah. push hard to be their CTO, except that they don't need a CTO. They're not a tech company. Um, but they're a very technical product. Yeah. But it's a manufactured product yeah. and it's it's got all the consumer package good issues and yeah. subscription issues. But the the Internet technology portion is very standard. Right. Um, and to the extent that it's not standard, there are better ways of addressing those issues than building your own e-commerce site uh, from scratch. And one thing I'll say, I'll be really open for a second, even though this is so weird to say in the podcast, but essentially it takes the inconvenience out of having your period <laughs> and the no sex part I hear is a big deal. I know. Too. I, I wasn't going to say that. Well, you got to say that, <laughs> the, the, you know, not only does it save you from having to change tampons all the time, you can have sex while you're wearing it. So, yeah. so you don't have to have for some women who really like having sex during their period, they just don't like the mess or their partner yeah. doesn't like it. Um, it's a huge liberation for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a great it's a great product. I found out actually about Flex at um, a three day rule event, which is another LA tech company. It's um, 
it's if, to make a long story short, it's a dating matchmaking service that is powered by data and technology on the back end, et cetera. And they uh, Flex was at this event. And so I got a box on some promotion. I'm like, this is awesome. And I've been a customer since. And that's the kind of thing that makes me want to work for them. Yeah. I think I, I think I'm like an annual customer now or something. Who knows? But anyway, Love Flex, great company, female founded. What is your involvement in the LA tech community? Well, I mentor around where I can. I've volunteered for the for Nifty, the National Foundation, is it? Because I always forget what it stands for. It's the National Something for Teaching Entrepreneurship, which nice. helps high schoolers learn how to start a business. Cool. Well, and, Google it. Um, Carl, if you could include it in the show notes. And uh, I uh, mentor at the Stubbs Allerton Precelerator and uh, also here at Expert Dojo when I can, uh, helping startups you know, giving them like an hour a month or so uh, with whatever their issues are. And and are you available to um, to startups for hire or what price bracket are you in? When can we hire you? When yeah, can we afford so you? You need to have raised at least a solid six figures. Um, whether that's your seed round or your series A is a debate I don't want to get into. But, um, you know, so I charge a lot. and. Um, you need to have in place enough money to have your dev team building your dev and your marketing. And, you know, you have to have your core team in place and enough money to last you a year or two uh, before you want to spend money on somebody like me. I'm happy to help. I do uh, part-time advisory. Uh, It's a little less expensive. And often at the early stage, you don't need a lot of help, right? So that's why I created that offering where, if you just need to make sure that your dev shop that you hired isn't taking advantage of you or you need to make big picture decisions about product strategy or, or technology strategy, things with a time frame of like a week or a month or a year, then I can help out on that while you're, well, then you still need to have raised at least $300,000 before you, I would even suggest talking to me. I like how you're very practical about it. <laughs> Instead of like, just hire me, everybody. You're like, no, I got your back and I want to make sure you do it in a way that that makes sense for your business. Yeah. That's why one of the reasons I, I do this mentorship um, is because I understand that some of these decisions early on will make or break the company and I want to be involved, but I can't spend too much time on it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just had, well, I was in this discussion with another tech guy who's a very tech guy, and he thinks he's on a rant right now about how people don't spend enough time at the beginning of their product development cycle deciding on the important technical decisions. Uh, you know, they'll just use Mongo because they've heard about it and it's easy to use. And right. Even if their data is, in fact, relational and should be stored in a SQL database. To My response to that is I don't know of really any companies uh, I'm sure there's some, but I really don't know of any where the problem with the fatal problem with the product was that they had picked the wrong technology to build it on. Um, I guess maybe handwriting recognition, but uh, for the most part, it doesn't matter if you're using the wrong database, your performance will suffer. You'll have issues when you get to scaling, but by then you will have figured out whether or not this product was worth building to begin with. <laughs> you will have either, raised enough in money 
to switch over or you will have enough revenue to switch over. The, the problem with getting a product started is not the technology risk. It's the, whether or not people want this product, whether or not you can deliver on your promises. I mean, I look at all these dating apps that think that they can deliver on dating. Dating is fundamentally, as far as I'm concerned, fundamentally unsolvable, right? <laughs> as it's you and every other human being, right? I mean, it's uh, it doesn't. Uh, it seems like it should be solvable. Handwriting recognition is like that too. Seems really like it should be really easy, and it's super easy with handwriting recognition to get to 99% accuracy. So you think, well, well, we're done, until you realize 99% accuracy is one out of 100 letters wrong, 2,000 letters on a page. That's a lot of mistakes. Uh, Getting from 99 to 99.9% accuracy, which would get you to two letters wrong on a page, still not great, really hard. Getting better than that, I mean, now I suppose you can do it, but, uh, you know, it takes Google or Apple or somebody with that kind of horsepower to, to get it really good. So uh, there's so many things that have nothing to do with technology that are uh, fundamental to the success or failure of most of these businesses that... Another dating app I knew, uh, I advised, they built it in Go. This was years ago when Go was just getting out of Google and there was hardly anybody using it. And I advised the owner, the founder, the CEO, I was like, you know, you can have an almost impossible time hiring talent who can who knows Go. It's going to be a real problem when you want to build out a team, um, which is the kind of strategic advice I bring to people that, you know, not familiar with building an, a uh, company like this. And she said, well, accurately, he said, I don't much care because this guy is only willing to work for me for equity, for no cash, if I let him use Go. And he's built enough so far, and he's going to take us to the MVP and beyond. I don't need to hire anybody else. I'm like, well, that's an excellent justification for using Go then. <laughs> It's there's always a variable that changes the 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 output. That's so funny. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. Is there anything that you haven't said that you wanted to share? So so much, but you know, <laughs> uh, we'll keep this short. <laughs> well, thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. If you want to connect with more incredible people in LA Tech, remember we have the We Are LA Tech Slack, wearelatech.com slash VIP. That's wearelatech.com slash VIP. And you can say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Yes, you can now get your We Are LA Tech tea. You've all been asking for it. Just go to wearelatech.com slash shop to be a part of the movement to make Los Angeles the top city in the world for tech. Yes, we are number three. Let's get it to number one. Wearelatech.com slash shop. Represent. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.